You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Star Wars news in a single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Lowcaster. That's not true. That's impossible. You're listening to Making Tracks. This is episode 157. I'm your co-host, Mark Newbold, and joining me today is a man who, well, basically, he's a big yellow pansy in a galaxy of thistles. It's Mark Lowcaster. How you doing, mate? pansy-like and also slightly panicking because it's only 45 days until Star Wars Celebration Europe. Holy (laughs) (laughs) How's you, dude? I'm fine, I'm fine. I've got the creeping feeling of dread as well. It's coming up really, really fast. I don't think I'm anywhere close to ready. Uh, Are you anywhere close to ready? To be fair, no, not really, but I kind of liken Star Wars Celebration preparation like a wedding. You set the date... And you think you've got loads of time, and then you kind of wake up at 4am one morning and go, holy hell, there's loads to do. And then when you sit down and you break it all down, you can go, well, actually, some of this stuff is relying on announcements to be made, and other stuff you just almost have to put like a blind stab in the dark. So stuff like, in all the clubs, they do big group photos. If you do it during the day, you run the risk of clashing with a big panel. And therefore, you kind of think, okay, so maybe we do our group photo first thing in the morning, which is great on the first morning, but second or the third morning, haven't had two or three late nights, you start to go, hmm, I wonder how many people are going to be so hungover they're not going to code. So there's loads of little bits like that. Those random variables. Yeah, the variables. Yeah, the variables and also the things we have some control over, which is like the props and the set build, which ultimately kind of comes down to us now just trying to get everything over the line. You know, the proposal's gone into Reed and Lucasfilm. They're happy with it. Now we've just got to deliver. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to be busy for the next few weekends, I would imagine, as well as quite a few other people in Rebel Legion and Amanda Merckx and the 501st and that. So it's going to be fun, but my God, I can't wait till April 12th. I think this is only our second or third making tracks of the year because Shocking. we're both being yeah. pulled in Shocking. different directions. I was down in Bournemouth this weekend at the ball and the weekend before was at Beachhead, which was a, a tabletop gaming convention. We've got some audio coming from that later, Ross Beedman who was Saw's Bandeem in Revenge of the Sith. But yeah, it's just all racing around at, at light speed, trying to fit it all in. Well, let's just pile straight into it. We've had some announcements today, a trio, really cool guests that have been announced for Celebration. Going on top of all the other guests that have been announced before, Ian McDiarmid, Ewan McGregor, and loads of other cool people. Today we found out Carl Weathers, Grief Carga from The Mandalorian, Brian Herring, BB-8 from the sequel trilogy, Samantha Elaine, Female Stormtrooper from the sequel trilogy and Solo and Rogue One. It's going to be fun having these guys there, isn't it? It's been such a cool kind of like list of announcements because you've got the 40th anniversary Return of Jedi guests and then you've got talent from the sequel trilogy era. We've got talent from the Mandalorian and the, the spin-off TV series era and obviously animation and everything else. So it's just bonkers. It's like they're literally ticking all the boxes when it comes to making sure that there's going to be at least one or two cast members or crew. Yeah, so it's fantastic and really nice to see those three. And obviously, I'm quite excited about Carl Weathers because he is just an absolute legend. Might have to think about seeing if I could sneak away from the booth for 10 minutes just to see if I can get an auto or a photo up with Carl because Dylan from Predator and Apollo Creed. 
That's pretty. That's a pretty good little resume, isn't it? And he's directing episodes as well. He's directing yeah. in season three as well. It's building up really, really nicely. Great guests. There's always this feeling, I think, that Celebration Europe will somehow be smaller and less significant than the US-based or international mm-hmm. celebrations. I think these guests' announcements are showing that's not going to be the case. And we also know that Marvel are slowing down with their production mm. of TV shows. Kevin Feige said as much. Bob Iger's kind of said as much. There's going to be a slight change of focus. But at the same time, the definite inference is that there will be a ramping up, certainly on the big screen, of Star Wars projects. We've been talking about this for a long time. I mean, as long as there's been making tracks, the only film that we were waiting for before making tracks really got going, Solo had just come out and Rise of Skywalker was on the way. Since I think you and me have been doing the show together, I don't think we've had a film. So it would be great for us to have a film to look forward to. Do you get the feeling that, one, we're going to get some kind of announcement this year, and two, hopefully, it'll be a celebration? I was at Pinewood the other day and stuff, and there's rumblings. There's rumblings. I mean, and, you know, there's talk. I mean, it's also very difficult because everybody's under NDAs, and, you know, you hear, oh, so-and-so's film is under pre-production over there, but then you kind of find out from somebody else two or three weeks later that's been pulled and there's something else. So, yeah, it would be nice just to get some clarity, and even if it's just a confirmation of a date, I don't see a film really happening. I mean, I suppose 2025, December, yeah, yeah. it could happen. That's assuming that something's been in pre-production and is getting close to rolling in front of the cameras very soon but they won't do that without an announcement and you would think star wars celebration europe or any star wars celebration is where you want to do it if you can unless of course it falls under the guise of a disney shareholders call meeting or something like that which also tends to be where they seem to announce a lot of these productions now because obviously it's all about keeping the shareholders nice and happy Give us the odds, Mark. What do you reckon? What's the odds of getting a film announcement at Celebration Europe? I'm so pleased you're asking me to tell you the odds because I was always told never to tell anybody the odds. But I knew you were going to say that. I just totally just set you up. Open goal. Yeah. Um, my gut tells me there'll be a lot of television announcements that we wouldn't be surprised by. So straight off the bat said there's going to be a season two Ahsoka and a season two Skeleton Crew because we're so happy with everything we want to do more and a season three Bad Batch and stuff that we know even though Obi-Wan was a limited event and Book of Boba Fett was the season one, I think odds are those two things will kind of end up being flipped and Book of Boba Fett will be one and done and Obi-Wan will have more. Yep. I think mm-hmm. in terms of brand new stuff, the most likely reveal will be a film rather than another television series for the exact reason we've just mentioned that because they've had a bit of a drop in, in subscribers in India because some bright spark decided to lose the contract for the cricket, not realising it's probably the second most popular game on the planet. That, uh, that, that movies and with Avatar, especially now a Disney property, blowing through $2 billion in like seven weeks and still making good money, that a major cinematic event, you're not really going to find many more impactful than a Star Wars, especially now. As we sit here now, it's nearly four years since the last Star Wars movie on the big screen. So if a film came out tomorrow, it would be a big deal because it's you know a half a decade on almost. By the time the film comes, it'll be well over that. And as we head towards the 50th anniversary as well. So I think a movie makes the most sense. Whose movie? I don't know. Will it be? Mm. Uh, we talk about this a lot of the show, so we don't want to retread old ground too much, but will it be the Ryan Johnson thing? Will it be one of the other projects that have been hyped, you know, the Tiger with TT thing, or one of the others? There's a few on the go, so who is it going to be? I don't know, but my head tells me. If you want odds, I'd say... I would say a comfortable 50-50 that we'll, we'll hear something, I would say. I think that's fair. I think also, you know, as much as it's great always getting new Star Wars content in 
Star Wars TV content on some levels, arguably as strong as some of the theatrical content that we've had. If we were to leave with only TV announcements for shows that we've already got or know are coming, it might not necessarily feel like the big event. And you could then start to kind of agree with some of the fans who are saying that Celebration Europe is the poor relation to the the US celebrations. As you said, like 2025, that's 10 years since The Force Awakens. With it does come maybe a certain level of nostalgia for some fans who fell into love with Star Wars with The Force Awakens. And let's be fair, it's not a bad film to have done that. But because of just the baggage that the sequel trilogy has henceforth carried with it, you almost feel like if you're going to do an announcement, it's got to be like a clean slate, new era type story whereby Mm. it's a palate cleanser which will then allow it to stand on its own two feet without necessarily feeling like it's got to tie directly into the sequel trilogy for example or something else because also you think you know that's kind of where the mandalorian's treading the grounds now you know we start to get these hints with the trailer didn't we for the mando season three that you know there's something brewing in the in the unknown regions you know is that where we start to see those ties to the first order so you kind of think that maybe the the mando's got that covered maybe it's going to be a different era hell it could even be a mandalorian film and that might not actually be such a risky announcement to make move mando onto the big screen give him his big screen debut with Grogu and I think Avatar 2 could probably sit at maybe two or three in the box office because I think Star Wars would overtake that. That's a good shout actually taking those characters that have just gone hyper galactic zeitgeist blowing they're up there with Stranger Things and anything else over the last three or four years certainly I'll make my obligatory Star Trek mention. Next Generation moved to the big screen and you think after a show that big, after seven seasons moving onto the big screen was the obvious step across if you like to make way for other stuff. If Mando comes off the television schedules and becomes a movie franchise, then potentially there's more room for TV stuff and new things to step into there. I think you're right. And a lot of the shows do it. Bad Batch is doing it. You know, they're not just telling the stories of Clone Force 99, but they're telling the stories of the era. And it feels like Mandalorian kind of Mm. is, is broadening its scope from honing in on those two characters uniquely almost to telling broader stories. It feels like, like you say, that might be what's in store in that third season. But whichever way they take it, and I, I would be very open to that. I think that could be really cool. I think we're in for a really interesting reveals at Star Wars Celebration. And if nothing else, they can come and listen to us on our Making Tracks podcast. This is very true. Making live. Tracks live with the marks, which hasn't happened before at Celebration. So stay tuned. As soon as we know when it's happening, I want everybody to know you need to come and see Making Tracks Live because it's going to be a bit special. We do have a guest lined up. Stay tuned to Making Tracks. I'm going to say stay tuned loads of times because it's the best way to get you to tune in. Hi, this is George Mann and you're listening to Panther Tracks. 22nd and 23rd of February, that's a Wednesday and a Thursday. The Forge is landing. It's a destination for Mandalorian fans. Gives them a chance to experience the sights and sounds and smells of a working forge inspired by the armory. Obviously, to hype season three in the Mandalorian. I'm going to be there, Mark. You're going to be there. But what are you expecting to see? Mandalorians, maybe mm-hmm. the armorer. Other mm-hmm. than that, I have no idea. It landed out of nowhere, didn't it? Big time. It big time like, did. Absolutely no real hints about it. But it sounds cool. Or maybe it's going to be hot. I'm hoping <laughs> it's going to be like some kind of real immersive experience. And I suppose it's got to be just something to try and get people talking about season three. That yeah. drops a week Wednesday, won't it? I mean, that's coming in quick. I mean, there's a chance for Mando-inspired photo ops. You can hold a Darksaber, which in itself is pretty damn cool. And certain fans will witness their own Beskar ingot being stamped by blacksmiths. It's looking amazing. It opens at two o'clock until six o'clock on Wednesday. 
10 o'clock till 6 o'clock on Thursday. It's free entry. I'm telling you that. There's no point. It's completely Mm. booked out. So there are no tickets. We're both going to be there. We're going to get some audio. We're going to talk about it on the next episode of the show. We'll be sure to take plenty of pictures and post a gallery on Fanthatrax itself. So go and check that out. As season three comes now and it gets closer and the hype builds and the excitement builds, where are you with your excitement levels now for season three? You know when there's a kettle and it's just about to start bubbling and boiling? I'm about Uh there, so I think this will probably make me blow my spout. (laughs) Fantatrax. So a couple of weekends ago, I was fortunate enough to be down on the south coast in Bournemouth at Beachhead 2023. It's a tabletop gaming convention at the Bournemouth International Centre, the BIC, right on the seafront. Fantastic event, wonderful location. Today, Ross Beedman, you'll know Ross, he was Little Saws Bandim in Revenge of the Sith. I had the chance to sit down with Ross and a few guests who were in the audience to listen to the chat as he talked about his career, his time in the Star Wars galaxy and everything he's done ever since. So this is myself and Ross at Beachhead 2023. So we're here with Ross. We're going to talk about life, the universe and everything and your experiences in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, happy to be here. Locally. Locally, yeah, exactly. And it's very local for you, isn't it? Super local. Like 10 minute drive. Yeah. At the brick. Yeah. In Bournemouth, my hometown. Excellent. Yeah, feeling good. Feeling good. So it couldn't be better. So, most people, apart from your family, they know you for being Ross, but Mm. most other people know you for that awesome scene in Revenge of the Sith. We'll kick off with yes. that and roll on to other stuff afterwards. How, obvious question, how did that come about? How did it, how, why was it you? Well, mainly uh, mainly through connections, number one, and number two, uh, listening and putting my hand up first. So I got the role because my mum used to work with someone who then started her own children's casting agency. That yeah. woman's called Sally King. They did the casting for the Golden Compass films as well. Don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, one day she sends my mum an email asking me if I'd like to be in Star Wars, and then that message gets relayed onto me. And so, obviously, I say yes. Yeah. I turn up, turn up on set. All the other kids are talking amongst themselves on the day, and when the casting director asks, "Who knows the line?" I'm the first kid who puts their hand up, yeah, and that's yeah. that's how I got it. It's as simple as that. If, someone else put their hand up, they would have probably got it as well. And what do no you think who. it was about yourself as, as that kid? I mean, you can't, can't imagine anybody I else mean, now. But I think I was pretty cute. Yeah, yeah. I was a cute <laughs> kid. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. T- time, time will tell if that will continue. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think, I think I fit the image of, a, yeah, yeah. of an innocent about to be sacrificed, let's say. There's a little yeah. bit of the Anakin about Saws anyway, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid. Yeah, that that is that is so interesting. Uh, people speculate whether that was George Lucas's like direct decision to choose me. I don't think it necessarily was. Yeah. I think it was by convenience that I ended up looking like Anakin, what Anakin looked like in the Phantom Menace. Yeah. But it's funny how these things turn out, right? It yeah. is it is pretty much a mirror image. And people people say that it's almost like he's sacrificing that part of himself. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm not sure if that's a conscious decision or not. There's so many unconscious decisions in Star Wars that kind of play out to become more than they yeah. probably were intended to be. Yeah, and they can they can gain their own traction and their own little mythology as well. Totally. But that's that's what happens when a franchise is that big. Uh, even the smallest moments can be, yeah, large. And there's no small moments in Star Wars, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're on set. You're you're seeing all these faces that some you might, might have recognised, others you clearly didn't 
how familiar were you with Star Wars? You were a six-year-old kid, so I'm assuming there was some knowledge of Star Wars before you were on set. I was, I was a pretty big Star Wars fan, so it was my interest at the time in films was tied between Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, right. and they were they were head to head. I don't think anyone of those franchises came out the victor uh, mentally, at least. But yeah, I, I loved I loved Attack of the Clones. I loved the arena scene, yeah. uh, especially, and yeah, it was just it. it, it it made me even more excited when I when I saw that opportunity come up. Yeah. So being in the outfit, familiar outfit, on the on the set. I mean, how much of the set is a question? How much of the set was actually there when you were doing it? Was it a blue screen set? Was it a physical? It was set? a blue screen set at Shepard and Studios. Uh, half of the set was, of course, the blue screen where you yeah. see all the spaceships and uh, flying cars in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but the the flooring, the carpet, and the chairs and the sofas completely created and yeah, fabricated yeah. by the by the crew and yeah it was it was a fairly fairly large set i i think all the indoor shots were mainly created in shepherd and studios yeah because a lot of it was filmed i think in australia yes but that's what i believe yeah the shots were. yeah 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 someone can correct me yeah, yeah the last two were mo- mostly shot at fox studios in sydney but you know, like you say pickups was where you were and uh, the Ailing Studios, they did some bits, so pickups were there. Okay. Extra shots, you know, logical additional shots they could do here were there. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so you're on set, you're with Hayden. What did you know of Hayden? You say, obviously, you've enjoyed Attack of the Clones, so he's the lead, you know, the lead guy in that I film. knew I knew him as Anakin. Uh, I didn't really think of him as Hayden Christensen exactly. at all. Yeah. I, when, I, when I spoke to him, I just thought, okay, this is the literal character coming to speak to me yeah i think when you, you're that young i was six you don't really have that separation no. in your mind between fantasy and and reality yeah so when i saw obi-wan and spoke to him yeah my mom had to remind me that it's obi-wan that yeah. i'm speaking to not you and mcgregor yeah, yeah, yeah. for it to finally click yeah so yeah yeah <laughs> i truly believed he was anakin yeah and i spoke to him which is yeah. kind of perfect for the believability of the scene for what the director was yes. wanting from it, yeah, and I think that's why having having kids having kids in like films like that can be a mixed bag. Probably harder to to direct specifically with yeah, yeah, very yeah. nuanced like emotions, yeah. but they can they can bring out a bit of magic yeah. on their own. Yeah. And so you 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 mentioned Lord of the Rings, which wasn't exactly all fluffiness and light. It was quite a dark storyline. So Not at all, yeah. You're in a scenario where your character, who clearly looks up to Anakin, Obi Wan, these Jedi heroes. It's about to, we imagine, meet a sticky end. We how imagine, how yeah. aware of you were that? Were you of that when you were sort of that age? I wasn't aware before the scene at all. I was just directed yeah. to, to be scared. The fact that the temple's being attacked, we have we have stormtroopers coming yeah. in. That's what I vaguely remember the the casting director talking to us about, and. He told us, "You see Anakin, and you you're finally like, well, okay, we've got some safety now." Yeah. And but we weren't told we weren't told about anything nefarious happening yeah, yeah. by Anakin towards us uh, when we were that age. So I think because it adds to the realism. Yeah. I don't think there'll be any point elaborating yeah. further on that. You've got some nice pictures on your desk, and the one is the classic one where he's ignited the saber. You see the blue blade, and you in the background like this. <laughs> but on set, presumably, he's just holding the hilt. He's just holding the hilt, yeah, and they they edit the light in in post production. Yeah, they give me an, they gave me initially a green lightsaber with the the full handle and the the stick which they yeah, then yeah, illuminate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And then they, they swapped it out with just a, just a hill. Yeah. I think they were making that decision on the fly whether my lightsaber was going to be lit. Yeah. And they found that it wouldn't really make sense yeah. if I was kind of the only kid with a yeah. lightsaber which was on. Yeah. Thinking back, his, he did have a hill and a stick. Uh, otherwise, yeah. that wouldn't have worked. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Post, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you the film's made, it comes out x amount of months after you shot your sequence and you, you see it well i'm saying that it was a i think it was a 12a event of the sith if i remember did you see it initially i saw it at the premiere yeah that was at that was at leicester square at the same time i think uh kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. was being shown we the, film film. the, the yeah. crusades yeah that that was interesting uh my my parents on the on the car ride back from the premiere were very adamant at saying that i i didn't die Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, well, I, I didn't, I didn't think I did anyway. That thought never entered my mind. But it's interesting the lengths I think, you know, your, your parents go to protect you in that way sure. from these these harsh truths. Yeah, yeah. So when when did you? I was going to say something. I was, <laughs> I was going to say. You, no, I was going to say. I was going to equate it to when did you realise Santa's not real? But we, maybe we're going, in, we're going into that, therapy now. Yeah, totally. When did you realise then? When did you cotton on, or, or when did somebody say? Uh, well, enough, enough of my friends when I when they saw the the release of Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith said yeah. that I died, and I, and I cottoned on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did. I did cotton on after some protestation from me. I didn't die. I, I couldn't have died. It's, no, it's, like the, Mike, it's yeah. the Mike Quinn at the end of Rise of Skywalker saying, Nindum didn't die, and everybody else going, yeah, he did. It's it's kind of one of those things that happens almost happens off screen, and the the assumption is that's the way it went. Yeah. And the best thing about it is if something happens off screen, you don't have any concrete yeah. evidence that it did happen. So, I died, in air quotations. Yeah, totally. Let's leave it open and... Keep waggling the air quotes. Yeah. So, so that kid, I'm saying that kid, I'm separating you from, from the younger version of you, essentially, but the internet goes along and social media comes along and memes become a thing. And that is such a memeable, within the Star Wars fandom quote. When was the first time you saw that? I was like, whoa. It must have been when I was coming out of secondary school, so when I was about... 15, 15 or 16 that's when they started gaining a lot of traction mm. with, in, in the meme format and relating it to so many different things I saw even one of the one of the memes relating to me was related to gun violence happening in America uh, right. when, with one of the mass shootings which was going on I was thinking how can you Equate. I guess it, it does make sense if it's a school shooting uh, yeah. kind of uh, yeah. the, this yeah, scene yeah. but yeah. that that it's applicable to so many different things Yeah, and it keeps getting circulated on, on Reddit and then yeah. Uh, what's it subreddits like prequel memes yeah, yeah, yeah. and they just keep bringing it alive they keep resurrecting me yeah I'm like a zombie now <laughs> maybe that's that's my next appearance the audience definitely <laughs> like that one so so, <laughs> so there's, there's there's good and bad of that element that, you know some of them you, you sit and laugh and clap that's clever others is like not so keen I, I think it's all fair game yeah I think yeah I'm 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 happy. It gets some gets some relevance back. To be fair, I can't complain at all. I mean, it's a very dark scene, but I think people's people's sense of humour can be pretty dark as well. Totally can. Yeah. And there, there is there is mixed reactions from seeing that scene as well. Some people are genuinely sad, and some people like find it quite funny. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is which is fair enough. I, I can see it. I can see it. And yeah. so once once you've done that, you move into your your teen years and move on, and then come back to doing stuff like this. What were the intervening years occupied with? I'm assuming school and, and regular sort of growing up stuff. 
School, school, and regular growing up stuff that defines it pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was is something I just have in the in the back of my mind. Yeah. It's a little extra something. Yeah. 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 And when you came back into doing talks like them, we started. So we spoke about four years ago. I mean, how did that come back to being an option of something to do? How did that all come about? Well, the the main con- convention circuit, that if we're going to call it like that, yeah, yeah. Uh, came about because. I started off uh, as a guest in a very small event at my university. They were doing a, a kind of sci-fi related event. And then one of the organizers of that got in touch with uh, I think David. Yep. And then that started my first appearance at, yeah. uh, at Film New Forest. Yeah. Yeah. And how was that? You're doing it now, right. but then how was that? You know, sitting there and talking about this stuff and, and remembering, thinking back. Because you're always, you're always going to think things through and go, actually... There was that little moment when, and it's you know it's an evergreen. It's, yeah, thing. it's funny how how much of your memories get uncovered when you begin speaking to people, and we when you truly think back about yeah. it, about it, and it, and it's and it's and it's genuinely nice to do. It's nice to sit down, get paid, talk to people. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a beautiful combination. It's and it's and it's, and it's easy as well. Yeah, yeah. I would, it's hard to turn down an appearance. Let's be honest. For everything in one location. Daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds. Bookmark Fanthatracks.com for Star Wars News 24-7, 365. Right, Mark, we've got two listeners' questions. We're going to go to the two today. Some weeks we get nothing. Today we've got two. Here it goes. This is from Holly Walker in Wrexham. Thanks for the question, Holly. And the question is, which Star Wars book, comic or game, would you like to see as a Disney Plus series and in which medium, live action or animation? You can pick a book, a comic or a game. It can be live action or animation. Which one is it, Mark? I'm going to pick all three and I'm going to say I would like Shadows of the Empire, which was a book, oh, a comic swine. and a computer game. And I think if, if we're keeping true to OT and stuff like that, I think probably the easiest way to do that and at least the easiest way to get a green lit would probably be an animation, I think. A nice, gritty you know animation with uh you know very well cast voice talent who can you know sound like the original cast i think that would be my thing have i have yeah. i have i stolen your uh your fundamental just <laughs> hugely just hugely i know it's the obvious choice it, but it's, good it's grief, a little bit how, yeah how much would i like to have seen shadows of the empire back in the day when that came out in 1996 and the were releasing the trading cards and dark horse have got the comics coming out and Joel McNeely did the soundtrack and like everything that I think it was Steve Perry did the novel. Yep. Mm-hmm. All the stuff that came out, the amazing artwork and everything that surrounded it, literally everything except for that film. I'm where you are right now. I was thinking, why is this not coming out as an animation? And of course now with CG being what it is, just to do Shadows of the Empire. And it wouldn't work because I know they superseded it before the Bounty Hunters and all the other stuff, but man, that would have just been yeah. Fantastic. But, I mean, to be fair, i tell you what it is. It's one of those projects would work really well as a fan thing as well. Do it as, like, you know, somebody's passion project. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm certainly not putting myself forward to animate (laughs) a whole film. But, yeah, I mean, it's just captures... For me, anyway, the highlight of the 90s, yeah. um, really, I think that was pushed as much, if not equally as much as the special editions were. You know, they made a big deal, wasn't it? You know, a multimedia event, you know, which is a term you don't hear much since like, the turn of the century, you know? So <laughs> it's in itself a campaign that's dated itself. Yeah. But yeah, there, there is something really cool about it. I suppose jumping into 
Cannon. Dr. Afra is probably a, an obvious choice. I think that would go down really well. I don't know if it's because it's a comic book. I think you could get away with that being quite an easy sell for an animation because yeah. you think about it, if you were to do that as an animation, bear in mind that, you know, she goes to the most bonkers of places and like seems to always find herself having to fraught some kind of like, you know, galactic destroying temple or ship or whatever. You know, the scale of it would need to be like a ridiculously high budget for TV. Yeah. But for animation, you could totally see how it was scoping. I mean, you look at Bad Batch like last week, they went to Coruscant yeah. and it just looked a million bucks. It, it just looked so good. And, you know, to get the Bad Batch live action show and then to show that kind of scale as live action, it's going to be quite a big ask. So, yeah, I think animation probably actually not a bad shout for a lot of properties, I think, when it comes to Star Wars, I think at least means that you don't have to compromise for, for budgets, practicality of doing something like that. Totally agree. Any of those early 1990s novels, I think, would be great. There were some interesting comics at the time. Tales of the Jedi would be great to see as a series. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, any of that stuff. Maybe Dark Samurai Empire, obviously, yeah. would be a, an absolute doozy to do. Even taking it further back, I would love to see something done with the Han Solo trilogy, the original Brian Daly Han Solo trilogy. I think that would be fantastic. To do it as animation, I think, would work really well. I think live action needs to kind of pull from those things but be something fresh and new, whereas animation is built more to be more immersive in that sense. We do have a second question. Rob McLaughlin, an old Ooh. friend of mine from Litchfield, so Rob has a, a question for us as well. Battle for Endor. Do you think there's a chance of seeing the characters in the TV show and any chance as well of seeing an unliked green rabbit? I can only assume he's either talking about Jar Jar when he's had food poisoning or Jackson. It's one yeah. or the other. Let's assume he means Jackson. So do you think we'll ever see any characters from uh, Battle for Endor? I mean, we've, we have seen Blurgs. Yeah, I was going to um, say Blurgs. Yeah. And, and Sindel could always turn up at some point. That would be interesting. But more likely, I think, Jackson. Do you think we'll ever see Jackson? Yeah. There's a part of me that thinks, just do it. But I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, how close do you keep a 21st century Jackson to what he was in the 70s, in the 70s yeah. 80s? Yeah. Jackson should be more like Bucky O'Hare, which was kind of like my wheelhouse when I was growing up. Jackson was almost like the first Easter egg in-joke in Star Wars comics oh, because yeah, totally. he is Bugs Bunny. Totally is Bugs. And I kind of feel like with Jackson, he probably shares the same corner of the universe as I think Jar Jar does in that I think there's some people who think he's the absolute nuts and there's other people who I think the mere mention of his name will literally just make them want to kind of like roll over and convulse and vomit it's kind of like a step down a, a path that is very easy to go down but then very difficult to walk back potentially we did see him didn't we in the clone wars as a skeleton <laughs> so you know but i mean yeah i would like i think if they're gonna do it don't just do some coy nod bring him back as a character i think lean into it properly because to be fair i'm surprised he wasn't somewhere in that big fleet at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Right, he's, yeah, because that's the kind of thing, that's where you stick him in, you know, get rid of a Wedge cameo, put in Jackson instead. Maybe that's going to be my director's cut, be my fan edit. I'm just going to replace Wedge with Jackson. That's a good idea. I agree. If you're going to put him in, put him in there as a, as a character, not just as a, a guy in the background, actually as a, as a right up the front kind of character. And as for Battle for Endor, no, I think the Blurgs are probably the big thing you'll take from there. To see Sindel would be interesting. They can sort of 
pull from there if they want. But Jackson, yeah, I think they should go for it with Jackson. If he's going to go anywhere, he's probably going to end up in a Filoni or Favreau-helmed TV show. I mean, because you could just see him just be, yeah, you know, and that's the thing, deep background, just there, just because, you know, he's kind of like, you know, the fans will love that, (laughs) you know. If you're going to do it, you know, let's, let's... Put your big boy pants on and actually own it. Let's do it properly. And it may be fun. You, you could actually have him, you know, have him kind of a bit gnarled, a bit grizzled and make him more to be like a serious character. Battle worn and dirty and stuff, you know, could be down on his luck a little bit. I don't know. You know, there's, there's loads of different ways you could do it. Hello, I'm Dennis Lawson and you're listening to Fanfatracks. You heard the first part of our chat with Ross Beaman earlier on in the episode. And here is the second part of our chat with Ross at Beachhead 2023. London Film and Comic Con comes along. Hayden Christensen's a guest. Life conspires to make a, yeah. a, a chance meeting after what was it, fifteen years or whatever, come about. Yeah, I mean, uh, what are the chance? What are the chances? Eh? I mean, I guess, I guess it was bound to happen eventually. But if I never got on the convention circuit, that would have never have happened. Yeah. I would have never have met him. And there was only a five-minute window in which I could have met him yeah. when he was busy signing autographs. So yeah. I'm glad you guys sorted sorted that opportunity out. And it was funny, me rushing from one end of the convention hall, carrying my suitcase to the other, just trampling over people. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Stubbing their toes with the suitcase wheels, definitely. <laughs> and, uh, and meeting him. It was, it, was, it was definitely an experience. Yeah. We were lucky enough to be there. We filmed it. Martin, who yeah. you met earlier, filmed it. I took the photographs and they certainly got shared a lot. In your head, you're thinking, last time I was with this guy, I was that height to a grasshopper sort of thing yeah and to be to be fair he he looks pretty much the same yeah yeah i think he's he's aged pretty well yeah i hate him <laughs> yeah. yeah he's found the he's found the fountain of youth yeah. uh, he's got the mirror in the loft yeah. yeah and i think he was he was pleasantly surprised by seeing by seeing me he was i'm thinking about how long it's been maybe not as pleasantly surprised though maybe i reminded him of how much time had passed <laughs> it has been 18 years since revenge of the sis started yeah which is quite some time. It is. It is. It doesn't seem like that, but it's quite some time. Yeah. yeah. So now you're back in the scene, you're back in this, this fandom world, if you want to call it that, and, and available for appearances and, and everything else. Absolutely. Get you, me booked. You enjoy Get that? Get me booked, mate. Yeah. I'm, I love it. I love it. There's, there's nothing to complain about. It's Like I was saying, you get paid, you get to talk to people, yeah. you get to travel, yeah. free hotels, free food, and yeah, it, it feels nice. It feels nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking. I'm looking to get to, into Star Wars Celebration the next time it comes around. It's happening mm. this year, but I'd love to get to the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's, that's definitely on the on the bucket list of, of events. I mean, it's one, the Super Bowl of Star Wars. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, what else have you been doing? It's not. It's not just doing these. It's there's other stuff that you're doing. What else is happening? No. In your, so your at the moment, the way I make money is I I create content and I make videos teaching other people. How to make videos. That's my that's my nine to five and that's something I, I really, really enjoy doing. It's uh it's a pleasure. I'm not sure if my experience being behind the camera has related to that. Yeah. I think it must do. I just like watching films and, and making funny funny videos and weird weird stuff. So yeah. And what inspired that? What made you think that was that was the path you wanted to go down? Well, me and my friends used to make these these Nerf War videos. <laughs> Nerf War, love it. Where we'd get Nerf guns and then we'd add true like action effects to it, like gun sound effects, gunshot effects, blood effects. Yeah. And if we were about eight, nine, ten, eleven at a time, we'd make them very gory. Yeah. Like too gory for what it should be from 
from kids making films that age. But yeah, we we learn editing. Yeah, yeah. We learn some very very basic camera techniques. I'm talking, what's it? Movie maker. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that that spurned it on. That spurned it on. I've created video ads after that. Yeah. And that's that's what I do now. So that that, that Teach short people form. How to create content. That short form. Concise yeah. kind of stuff. A lot of short form content, hopefully like TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Facebook, and some some longer form content as well. But yeah, yeah. short short form is my thing. Yeah. yeah. And how, where where is that now? What's what stage are you at with that now? You can you can find me. Uh, you can find that kind of content on my Facebook if you just type in Ross Beadman. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I might come for some lessons. Yeah, come come for a lesson or two. I'll show you how to do this uh, this dynamic caption trend. Everyone's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how long that lasts. Oh yeah, see how good a student I am. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, uh, only briefly, so I'm not fully fully up to the speed on what on the details of a uh, uh, charity boxing match you've got coming up. Yeah, right here actually next next month on March 25th. This boxing has been something I've done for quite some time. I'm about a year and a half on and off. Yeah, and it's it's good to get out there again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you get you get eight weeks of free training. It's for Cancer Research UK, so it's for a great cause, and. Yeah, it's super. It's gonna be super exhilarating. It's gonna be a huge, huge crowd there to see all the people fight. I think about two hundred people are fighting on that day, if I'm not mistaken. In the big hall. In yeah. the big hall. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm super excited for that. So, do you know who your opponent is? And also, in addition to that, being a charity boxing match, what are the rules? What are the regs? What, what's well, the, the details? It's of that? under. It's not bare knuckle. I'm assuming. It's not bare knuckle. Yeah, that, that's not. a whole different kettle of fish. But this is <laughs> under the the white collar boxing organizer organization and the way they sort it out is they do uh pretty standard regulation fights 16 ounce gloves um it's not part of the amateur circuit it's not right. part of the pro circuit yeah. it's it's less uh it's less tightly controlled than yeah, that yeah yeah but uh yeah i think i think i'm gonna do well i'm confident that i'll, I'll perform on the night yeah yeah that's that's fascinating um, and and there's six weeks of training left, so I've still got oh, okay. still got quite a bit of training left. Well, I'll find out who my opponent is a couple of weeks before. That was my next question. Do they you match you. They yeah. match you based on weight, uh, skill, experience in the ring. You spar with other people. Yeah, yeah. And they they make it a fair fight. You're not going to go up against an absolute monster if you've got no experience. Yeah, they yeah. match you up well. Fingers crossed, anyway. And what's your intro music going to be? I'm assuming we're talking, not, I, yeah. we're talking about this. <laughs> Jewel of Fates is a. Uh, it's gonna be a good pick. Yeah. I think. I think I have to do that now. Now I've mentioned it, right? What do you think, guys? Yeah. <laughs> so we we got we got Chewie endorsing that. So I think I've got to do it. Jewel of Fates. Let's go. March twenty fifth. I'll be fighting. I love the hype yeah. train. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, man. You got to generate it. You got to generate it. So but back to back to Star Wars briefly with with the events and with the other appearances and such. Revenge of the Sith twentieth anniversary is coming up in a couple of years, which of course any any tenth anniversary, twentieth, thirtieth, whatever is is of obviously big interest to people. And it'll be a banner year for Star Wars because it's tenth anniversary of Force Awakens as well. So. If you could, you mentioned celebration. We don't know where it's going to be that year. Possibly Orlando, I would guess, if you follow the logic of it. But yeah, happy to go anywhere. You yeah, fancy a trip over for that? And yeah, go on, California. But yeah, go on. I'd love it. I'd love it. Let's be honest, I'd love it. Brilliant. Whilst we've got some people in the room, does anybody have uh, any? I know Chewie's always got questions, but does anybody have? Well, answer that. What what he just? I agree. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anybody got any any questions you'd like to 
Throw to Ross. I'm really interested in the, the line that you were taking about the directorial um, input there that you were receiving, because in my mind, you, you see the lightsaber extend, then you sort of look back into the eyes of Hayden as if you kind of know he's, a, he's about to kill you. And I'm obviously just sort of reading that entirely into your act. It sounds like you didn't receive that at all. That, what you just mentioned there was probably the only bit of direction right. I got. Uh, aside from what I already mentioned, it was... Anakin's going to unsheath his lightsaber and you have to look up at him and give him eye contact and, and obviously be terrified. Yeah. Uh, one mistake I made is I kept looking down at the lightsaber rather than at his eyes. So instead of, instead of looking at him and talking to him, I'd just be staring at the ground some of the time. So that took a few, a few takes to correct. But no, your, your assumption was correct. Uh, yeah, the direction was is that I... Look at him when he comes in and speak and say my line. Yeah. It's interesting because it's a bit like when Spielberg was directing the kid that I forget, Kerry Guffman, the kid that played Barry in Close Encounters, and the way he directed it was he was he would jump out of a cupboard to make him go like this, and because he was three, he was young, even younger than you were, and it was all about getting the reaction so they can stitch it together into reactions to the performances, and it's it's a it kind of felt a little bit like that in that they George was it George that directed you on set? Yes. So George yes, would have wanted yes. specific reactions to you know what I mean yeah he, he was very attentive to how it how it played out I think he was quite a stickler for making things making sure things are right yeah yeah and then you mentioned like different takes looking at the floor looking up yeah the amount of, with the amount of takes it took it took about four takes I wasn't expecting to be featured in it but yeah yeah obviously was oh, you definitely were yeah. any more questions yeah um, so you touched on the possibility of him surviving so, yeah, you know, I, I like that idea. So mm. I think, yeah, I mean, we, we we obviously assume that they killed the ball, but we don't know that, do we? Um, when it, when he, when we don't he, know when that. When they return yeah. to the temple, only one touches, leans down and touches a youngling, doesn't he? Yeah. There's not. It's not in the same chamber, and there's not. There's not loads of them, but the Jedi around him are are, are adult Jedi. I like so, to have thought yeah. there's some of us hiding in the air vents somewhere in the temple. And there was a there was a clip in. In recently, wasn't there? Yes. Was yes. they, they showed a pre, a, a pre, yeah. Texture was that in? Um, it was. It was in Obi Wan, I think. It was in Obi Wan. Yeah, and there's there's a clip. I think there's a clip in season one. Led away. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a canon of how Grogu survived, right? Yeah. He found a way to escape. I think it's plausible. Other younglings did as well. You never know. It would have been very difficult though, since I'm the one closest to him. But yeah, yeah, man. I think. People do speculate. Some I've heard people saying that if I did survive, I would have become an Inquisitor because the rage would have consumed me. And the fact that Anakin led the charge into the Jedi Temple in the first place caused the death of the younglings because I think Palpatine had, had other plans to convert them yeah. to the dark side. So that's interesting how those little intricacies can can change uh, you've, you've just landed story. on a nub of a, definitely the nub of an idea there that because they were always warring you know in a way even early on different opinions. Rubble, yeah. yeah so you could have landed on something there. Palpatine Palpatine is regarded widely as one of the best or the what's it the most the most powerful villain in all, mm. all of cinema oh yeah or the most the most Machiavellian yeah character to ever have exist to Caused a plot on that scale. I think he. I think he's one of my favourite characters. Totally. And it's funny. See that how evil someone can be. Yeah. Uh, cool. It's terrifying. 
It scares me. And that you pick on that. We were talking yeah. last night about Bad Batch and, and the stuff that's going on in that show, the animated show that's on at the moment. And I don't yeah. know if anybody in here has been watching Bad Batch, but th- this week's episode was a two-parter. I won't say any more, Chewy, don't worry. <laughs> no spoilers, and, and there was a... I won't say any more than that, but there was a plot twist of that kind of level of, like, playing one against the other, which was like a classic Palpatine move yeah, that made Palpatine. the whole Clone Wars work. So it's, it's, it's quite spot on that you pick up on that because that yeah, carries I, on into the storytelling. It's interesting because I know quite a lot of in-depth things about Star Wars, but my my level of fan... Fan fanness is that the word? My level of fandom is that yeah, the correct yeah, yeah, term? Yeah, yeah. It's all over the place. Some some of the Disney stuff I really don't like. Some of it I love, and some of the things I just haven't bothered to watch. I probably Honestly. only remember half the characters' names, to be honest. There's a lot of characters. There's don't worry about characters, that. Though. There's no level of fanness, though. You, like you say, you can you can be deep dive and, and think you know millions of things, or you can just have seen your first Grogu doll and love it. You're just as much mm. of a Star Wars fan as anybody else. So that's the beautiful thing about Star Wars. There's no there's no levels there's no, of it. There's it's no just, kind of gatekeeping, really. No. Although I guess there is, but it's it's not like a huge thing, is it? No, they, yeah. no, no. I think you've completed your mission. Fantastic. That was excellent. Thanks for your time. No problem. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for interviewing me. Brilliant. We're back down in the foyer. Back down in the foyer. <laughs> Get another coffee. Brilliant. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Ah, cheers, guys. Thank you for coming. Thank you. I think that is all we have got time for for this week's episode of Making Tracks. So thank you very much for all the listeners' questions we've had in this week. If you've got a question, be it something that you wake up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., thinking I really need to ask or chat something, give us a call, drop us a line, or find out from Mark how you can get in touch. Well, thanks for listening to Making Tracks. If you want to be a part of the action and stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit fanthetracks.com or check out the free... Phantom Tracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You sound so happy. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at Like our guests did today, send in your questions. We'll talk about anything. In fact, we prefer them weird, just like us, really. Comment, like, and share on any of our social media feeds at Phantom Tracks. And be sure to subscribe, leave a review, preferably a five-star one, on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Semper for composing the Phantom Tracks intro. And I'm Brian for our Making Tracks opening music and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Remember, tune in to Good Morning Tatooine. It's live Sunday and Thursday evenings at 9 o'clock UK, 4pm Eastern and 1pm Pacific on Facebook and YouTube. And remember, we've got Mando Season 3 coming, so Good Morning Tatooine will will return on Thursday evenings as Brian goes over the latest episodes with various guests. And check out our Phantom Tracks Radio Friday Night Rotation. It's every Friday at 7 o'clock UK time for brand new episodes of The Phantom from Down Under, Planet Layer, Desert Planet Discs, Start Your Engines, Collecting Tracks, Cannon Fodder, and special episodes of Making Tracks, and every Tuesday, 7 o'clock UK time, for your weekly episode of Making Tracks, and that's me done for this episode. Well done, and until next time, everybody, stay safe, take care. If you're down at The Forge when me or Mark are there, by all means, come and give us a shout or a nudge or a high five. Say hi. But until next time, stay safe, take care. But more importantly... May the Force be with you. Coming up next on Fantha Tracks Radio, it's Cannon Fodder. <laughs>